All right, so let's get to one of the questions that we received on Instagram. Um, it was sent by my cousin Bruna. Shout out to Bruna. Her Instagram is Francielli Bruna with two L's. That's Francielli Bruna with two L's. And she also has a TikTok. Let me just check her profile real quick. Uh, her TikTok is at Francielli R-O. Francielli with two L's R-O. She creates amazing content on there. I highly recommend you giving her a follow and just supporting her content. Uh, but back to her question. She asked, or she submitted, talk about how you feel about the vaccine, and would you guys take it or wait a little more? I think that that's such a charged question nowadays, because everybody's super, I don't know, like super sensitive to everything, right? So you can be, Mm -hmm. like, we can trigger anti-vaxxers, and we can trigger people who are pro-vaccines. So, like, whether our response is good or bad, there's no distinguishing between good or bad anymore, because everything's bad to someone, if that makes sense, right? Even if it's a good thing. So, let's start with what I think, right? I don't know if I would get the vaccine. (laughs) And I say that after having spent Hours upon hours just researching and looking at the adverse effects that some people have gotten after taking the vaccine. A few people have uh, not demonstrated any adverse effects um, prior to taking the second shot. Some people presented severe side effects after taking the first shot. And there's like this multitude of different vaccine companies now, too. Like if you look at Brazil, there's... um, one one that's called a uh, uh, fuck it it's like co- uh, covid vac or whatever mm. vac or, like it doesn't matter but every country is kind of trying to, to develop this miracle cure that will relieve the world of the current state right and i don't know if i trust pharmaceutical companies to begin with like prior to covid pharmaceutical companies were always pretty sketchy to me because anything that has to do with um profit Mm -hmm. gets very like the um overall sentiment or the overall how do i say this the overall um objective of a company and their mission statement gets inevitably i think just distorted by profit and profitability and making money and uh you know margins and all that shit so i think that a business that is all about human life and human health tends to just become more about all about money you know what i mean does that make sense to you that does make sense okay um i was gonna say i haven't heard anything about the side effects of the vaccine do mm-hmm. you know any specific ones yeah people say that their um lymph lymph nodes nods oh lymph get, nodes get inflated after okay. taking it and i think there have been a few uh people who demonstrated i think it's like severe psychological damage Mm. long-term psychological damage so a lot of people have presented like a certain level of dementia a lot of people have demonstrated a certain level of depression Uh and and the fda at least has been pinpointing it back to the vaccine itself so i don't know if i trust that whole thing i don't know if it's better to just depend on herd 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 immunity and just um I don't know, just get the like get the virus and then have your own system develop its own immunity properties by itself uh, or just get it synthetically through a pharmaceutical company that's profiting off of all this and mm. you know, wants you to get it and whatever. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of anything that doctors prescribe. Mm-hmm. So even when I got my wisdom teeth out recently, my dentist prescribed like a painkiller and he was like, oh, it's going to be rough on your stomach, though. 
and I completely rejected it. Mm-hmm. And I did perfectly fine. I had rarely like minimal swelling and everything was perfectly fine. Versus what could have happened if you had taken it. Well, yeah, versus what could have happened if I had taken it. Yeah. And I think the this specific topic is so sensitive because so many people are on the fence about it. It's like, what are you supposed to do if you don't take the vaccine? Because then you can't travel anywhere, you can't mm-hmm. go to any places, probably concerts, or you can't enjoy life yeah. if you don't take this vaccine, or so they say. And then you have to get it annually, too, mm-hmm. which which makes me just more of a skeptic. Like, I think the FBI and the government are out to <laughs> puppet master me. Mm-hmm. And, like, implant <laughs> a chip in your body or some shit. And track me down. Yeah. But I think that that's going to be one of the main uh, motivating factors behind the vaccine is the, like, ostracizing whoever does not have the vaccine. Because they're developing this app, apparently, where you'll be able to scan a barcode that's your own personalized barcode that indicates whether or not you have taken all of your vaccines, mm. including COVID. Or maybe just COVID. I forgot what those specifics were. But so if you want to go to like a concert, if you want to, I don't know, just enjoy a night out with your friends at a club or something like that, you would have to present this barcode. Wow. And if you don't have the vaccine, then you'll be ostracized and you'll you won't be allowed to get inside. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be more of the motivating factor. Like I truly don't think that people really value their health as much as they think they do, you mm-hmm. know, because of, you know, like eating habits and uh, just habits in general, like smoking habits, drinking habits, like people don't really value their own health as much as they deem themselves or think they do. So I think that the main motivating factor will be social. So it'll be like a social effect right. where your friends have it. It has already become a status symbol of sorts, which fascinated me. It's like the exclusivity of the availability of the vaccine. Mm-hmm has become this ultimate status symbol now, which just blew my mind. Like people I know have posted on their stories on Instagram uh, flaunting their vaccination cards (laughs) and saying like, oh, I got mine or whatever, you know, like it's that like hierarchy. And that just goes back to like how quickly humans are to developing a hierarchy within literally anything. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter what it's about. They'll develop a systematic hierarchy that will, you know, like separate that's a from b and b from c that's so true when something is so limited Mm -hmm. or when it's um how do i explain it when it's difficult to attain it makes people want it more and then when they have it it's like they need to broadcast it the whole entire world needs to know Mm -hmm. that they got this thing or that this thing happened to them especially when it's so exclusive and I think that's, yeah, that's crazy. I definitely agree with the social aspect of it because even during quarantine, no one was supposed to be out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were, you're supposed to go in small groups and you had to wear a mask and everyone, no one cared. No one a cared. lot of, a lot of people were out in huge groups, no masks. They were still going like to the beach, like right when it first started. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super crazy. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's crazy, but at the same time, I think it's like, if you're told to stay, because at the first stages of COVID, people just listened to whoever had a microphone, mm-hmm. you know, like whoever within the government sphere had a microphone and had some sort, like some form of knowledge regarding the COVID vaccine or sorry, regarding the COVID, the coronavirus, they were just, I don't know, they were just put on this pedestal. So like, for example, um, Anthony Fauci, right? The mm-hmm. the main, the leading voice behind COVID. Right. Um, 
he like he contradicted himself various times like he would say like oh like um uh wearing masks are like 100% necessary or and then after a short while when he noticed that everybody was just buying up every mask possible and people were stocking up on masks Mm -hmm. and there weren't masks available for the medical providers and healthcare workers then he went back on on stage and said like oh like you know what you don't really need a mask like all you need to do is just maintain six feet so it's like it's this hypocrisy of supply and demand i think is what we've learned from the whole what what i've gathered from the whole covid thing is that supply and demand is an innate human trait it's in our dna Mm -hmm. and then what derives from that is the creation of hierarchy uh discrimination um ostracizing everybody else and just creating this 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 um new societal standard if that makes sense that does make sense and i also thought it was interesting that there was the whole um thing around touching surfaces so then there was like this this uh well i don't know if it is a misconception or not but the misconception that you can get coronavirus by touching surfaces Mm -hmm. but what the real thing is touching surfaces and then going to touch your mouth right afterwards but everyone was like wearing gloves and and then like washing their hands immediately like and and meanwhile the whole thing is just about your mouth it's by your face breathing it in right and it wasn't necessarily about the direct contact between your hand and the surface mm-hmm. so i thought that was funny because they thought it was that and then after the fact they just counter like yeah, just like, ca- like yeah try to try to revoke what they had just stated <laughs> after it was already put out there. right and that is hilarious too because we see it every single day and we and we actually keep like we actually do our part at the gym, for example, like we wipe down surfaces and shit. Mm-hmm. But if you look around, like most people don't. And honestly, the fact that every establishment has like taken this this um this like precaution to like wipe down stuff, like it's it's cool. Like it's important. It shows that the company quote unquote cares. Mm-hmm. And it is a way to minimize, you know, the spread of COVID. Like if you cough on a surface, like um the depending on the material of the surface, it could live for uh extended amount of time. And so it is important to wipe it down, but I don't think that that's the solemn uh, spreader, let's say, of, you know, COVID and stuff. Right. And then a lot of people just think that that's enough to wipe down the surface and then they just walk into places without a mask sometimes or they just like gather with friends and then they're like, oh, like it's all good. You know, like no one needs to wear a mask because all the surfaces have been wiped down. So it's like nobody it's this era of misinformation Mm -hmm. in a world of hyper information. You know, it's like information like travels super fast and. Yet, like, that's a gift and a curse because misinformation travels as fast as information It can be false. And then everyone just believing whatever was said because of how how easily it just, like, transfers everywhere. Yeah. Through social media especially. That's, Mm -hmm. like, the number one way that people, like, inherit, you know, information about anything. Monkey see, monkey do type of thing. (laughs) Exactly. Right? And... There's one thing that I just want to get off my chest, and I'm not going to state the name of the gym establishment or whatever, but it is a gym that I frequent and that we both frequent. And we both recently had a very bad experience, right, Mm. with the whole... Do you want to explain a little bit what happened? Well... Well, we've had two bad experiences, two different gyms. Let's talk about the main one, though. Like the, oh. the, the one that actually, you know. Okay, so we went into this gym, which we will not state the name. Which I've been going to for 
over three years, by right. the way. Never had any problems. And we walk in. Everything's fine. At the end of our workout, you went into the bathroom. And I went into the bathroom, too, and we were about to leave. And then as I'm getting out of the bathroom, I'm approached by an employee there. And he says that, oh, like, did you and your friend smoke anything yesterday? Because you guys reeked when you walked through the door. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, I I don't even know. Like, I was just, just taken aback by the question. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, like in confusion. And he just said, oh, well, like, you guys smelled really bad. Like, I, we smelled it through our masks. And, through our masks. Right. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then he's like, I was actually going to look for him and like ask him too or whatever. And I was like, okay, like, thanks for letting me know. Whatever. I was just super like just trying to shrug him off Mm -hmm. and like get the conversation over with. And then you. (laughs) Then me. Yeah. Then I heard about it. And then first of all, I think that there's. The first thing I thought was overstepping of boundaries, you know, like, um, assuming intimacy with other people i think that the standards of of social contact and social communication nowadays is set so low that a simple smile and good overall demeanor and just common courtesy upon walking past the reception desk which we both always demonstrate we both always say hello and we both always say like how's it going and stuff and we're always like super nice to everybody and so I think that that in of itself led to this guy assuming intimacy or and overstepping his boundaries by approaching her in the way he did, which I was just super taken aback. And I and I have this thing when I get angry, I start shaking a mm-hmm. lot because I do think that I have low key anger issues. I think my whole family has this like lineage and this history of anger issue. And I think that I'm just really good at just coping with it and just containing it because I meditate every morning or at least we try to meditate every morning and we try our best to keep this like Zen state of mind and not let things really bother us. But at this point, I like I was being pumped with adrenaline throughout my whole body. I just finished the workout. I was pumped. And and there's that thing where, you know, one thing leads to another. And I just was like, let's just go to the reception desk and talk to these people because mm-hmm. this is wrong. Like This is completely fucked up. And I was super frustrated. And then when we got to reception desk, long and behold, the guy wasn't there. Right. So his other coworker and another female coworker were there. And all three of them were at the reception desk when we walked in. And apparently all three of them were talking about us. And mind you, like we smell pretty good all the time. Like right. you wear Marc Jacobs, I wear Tom Ford. <laughs> like we wear pretty expensive perfume, not wanting to flaunt or anything, but to say that we smell bad and that, and we don't smoke, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't use any illegal substances at all. Like I've never, you know, like it just not like it's not cigarettes, nothing. Not even no. cigarettes, nothing, right? And we don't frequent <laughs> we don't do environments where where people do that right. because I make sure that my friends, you know, like don't like I don't really discriminate, but I just try to avoid people like that because you know I just have my own way of doing things and I don't really like being in those environments so we don't there's no reason for us to smell like we smoke mm-hmm. and so i walked up and then i just asked them I, I was like hey well i didn't ask them well yeah i did ask them i i asked if um if we could file a complaint against one of the coworkers, and then the girl at the front desk she asked why what happened and stuff and mm-hmm. then the funny part was that the male coworker, his friend uh pretended like he didn't know what happened? You know, like he was so taken aback. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Like, oh, really? Like what happened? Being yeah. that he was one of the ones that was probably laughing at us with mm-hmm. the guy, you know. And then we did, you know, file a complaint. Or I don't even know if they filed a complaint because that's another thing too, right? When when you work somewhere, 
there's this thing that really jeopardizes the progress of a company and its feedback because I think it's important for you to get negative criticism, negative feedback, and have it sent back to the people who are responsible for fixing it and actually instilling long-term change. And so when that transportation is cut short because of an employee's friendship with their coworkers and them trying to, you know, like uh, watch their back and just make sure that, you know, like nothing really damages mm-hmm. their reputation – it just fucks up the whole company. It makes the company worse because of that. And I, and I think that, that that's honestly what happened because I asked her, like, if she could file it. And then she said, well, well, you could file it online or whatever. And she was trying to, like, hand off the uh, responsibility of actually, you know, right doing the work. And I Being think it's just laziness. Being responsible for the, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that too. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I just asked, like, what's more efficient? And then she said, oh, I can file it with corporate. And I she said that that's what she would do. But long story short... Uh, well, not really long story short, short story long. Um, <laughs> yeah. We just walked out very dissatisfied. Right. We got in the car and then what? And then I went back in. I got his name. Mm-hmm. and His uh, name is? Uh, just kidding. No, you're not going to say We're his name. We're very ethical. We're above that. You know? But um, I got his name um, and then um, he just tried to apologize like he was just cutting me off and apologizing and saying that he had confused us for two people who were there yesterday so the day before mm-hmm. and i was like listen i just want your name <laughs> like that's it and i got his name and i said okay like thank you and i just walked out and his voice was trembling his, he was like yeah he was like shit. all of a sudden like it was like when he came to speak to me when i first walked out of the bathroom to make the comment that he made he had such a different demeanor like he was just so like like i don't know just carried himself in a more like confident way and like he was allowed to say whatever he said in such a like i don't know in such a a inconsiderate way yeah like it was just like not understanding that i'm i'm just a stranger who comes to this gym he spoke as if you guys were friends for years as if like you're his best friend and then all of a sudden when i'm asking for his name it's like he was like whispering like all of a sudden his voice just like gets you know softer Mm, all this formality right and then i'm I'm like whatever yeah and i'm like where was your professionalism and and the consideration for for me before (laughs) so now that's how that went and then and honestly look what i'm about to say will make will paint me out to be this evil guy and i don't really mind that like to each their own but i'm like you have to discern that for yourself, whether or not I'm evil or not. But w- w- the reason I'm saying that is because to me, whenever something like that happens, I want justice to be done. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see results. Right? Like I'm not that type of person who's like, oh, like just let it slide, whatever. You know, like maybe it was a miscommunication. Maybe he misinterpreted both of us. Maybe he really thought it was another couple that goes in there all the time. It doesn't matter. You know, like his response to you saying that, oh, I thought it was another couple. It's like. Okay, so if you thought it was another couple, would you have done it, mm-hmm. done the same thing you did to us, to them? Yeah, it like, was, how was that making it right? It like, was still inexcusable. The action was still inexcusable. And and if and if he if it was so like important and significant to say it, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a more professional way to say it. For sure. No, and honestly, from a future business owner perspective because i'm aspiring to open uh my own studio my my own fitness studio Mm -hmm. fiber fitness and i've been studying a lot of 
customer service relationships and how to build this hospitality, you know, like how to like actually make your members and your customers and clients feel like they're part of this, you know, close knit environment and group community to feel as if they're at home at home a home away from home and some people don't really have a home right so they make that their home you know um but anyways like like looking at it from that perspective if that would have happened at fiber fitness first and only thing that i think is feasible to do in a situation like this is not even approach the person who smells bad Mm -hmm. it's making a broad announcement Stating that for the uh, benefit of all members at this gym, we would like to reinforce personal hygiene. Right. And you would just like make it broad so that the person doesn't feel attacked. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Because I felt attacked. I felt like I felt infuriated. Like, like I singled wanted, out. Singled for, out and for, for no, no reason. Because we didn't smell bad. And <laughs> we we smell really, great. All the time. We, we smell great right now. And, we, and like, we really didn't because... Mind you, like the night before, we had washed the clothes that we were yeah, wearing. because we were like pumped to go to the <laughs> they gym. They were and fresh stuff, and out we were, of like, the laundry. Like we had just showered the night before. Like everything, we were completely clean. yeah. And we went early in the morning too, like at five a.m. Yeah, it was early. Yeah. So again, it's not justifiable. It's not anything. Like again, going back to what I think should have happened and what I wanted to push towards is having this person lose their jobs. Mm. But then you're but you're but you're the one that kind of like stepped on my brakes a little bit it's and like, said like oh like you know like whatever we, we need already talked to them and stuff and we already We need to be a little more point. generous. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit more like like uh, open hearted Yeah, whatever. but it, it's interesting because like we've gone back now a few times and and he just he just has like a like a whatever demeanor. It's like he just says like, "Oh, hello, how and how, enjoy your workout or have a good yeah. day." Whenever we leave, and that's it. And he keeps it super short and sweet. And I don't respond. And it's anymore. like I feel like he is just like you know, holding back on you know approaching the situation again out of fear of something making it yeah worse. making it worse. Yeah. And speaking of companies who do everything wrong, um, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl commercials that we watched? Oh boy. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it a little bit? <laughs> sure. What's your so, first reaction to everything that we saw? I thought, okay, I thought it was interesting because there were some companies mm-hmm. who said like at the end of their commercial, which wouldn't like, um, it wouldn't illustrate the, their brand, right? Mm-hmm. If it was a beer commercial, the beer never showed up in the commercial. But then at the end, like their logo would come up, their name, their brand name. And then it would say like, this is not an advertisement. Like this mm-hmm. is a, a, a strictly for a helping fund coronavirus. Um, efforts. Right, efforts. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super interesting. How does that make you feel? Like it's it's super ironic it's like you are it to me those are the the brands and the companies that are throwing a virtue signal and then mm-hmm. instead of just you know but making their commercial and then saying at the end like hey we're you know funding corona uh virus efforts it's like they made it all about that but then made sure to like really illustrate their logo mm-hmm. and then say like this ha- this has nothing to do with our brand mm-hmm. and it's super it's just super ironic it really because it me is off. a commercial mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it's a commercial to advertise your brand even more and it pisses me off so much 
And I don't want to say the name of the brand because I don't really still understand how this whole podcasting thing can pan out. So right. I don't want us to get sued like five years from now when we see a certain name and then the company's like, wait a minute, I'm going to click on episode number two and see, you know, mm-hmm. and try to get some money from these people. But what we can say is that it was a beer company, right? And there was a car one. And there was a car one, right? <laughs> so. Um, so I was trying to think of names that rhyme with it, but I think that can also get us in trouble. So whatever. No. So... <laughs> A car a car company and a beer company, right? Both of them put out commercials that basically leveraged the entire year of 2020 mm-hmm. so that they can look like the heroes of 2020, basically. It's like I hate people who appropriate disasters and negative just experiences and just kind of use it for their own benefit and profit. And that's what these companies did. Because even if the profits from the commercial are going to coronavirus efforts, which who knows, you know? Which I doubt. (laughs) Which who knows? But either way, you're still you're still publicizing your your company. At the end you have it in bold and and the fact that you're making people feel um, kind of in awe of you for your, you know, your uh, contribution to coronavirus efforts is going to pocket you more money because they're like, oh, like, let's support this brand Mm -hmm. because they're helping out with this, like, detrimental virus that's, you know, killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, oh, I think it's super unethical. (laughs) That's what I think. I think, uh, like, look, what was I going to say? I think that, okay, so what they do is they create these emotional markers of brands, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And these emotional markers are basically what you said. It's when you go to buy a car next time, you'll the first brand that'll pop in your head, if you view their commercial from a very like um, layman perspective, a person who has no understanding of how the world works and how like cutthroat business environment is and how manipulative these big businesses are, a person was like, oh my God, that's such a great commercial. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, look, look, honey, look at this commercial over here. I'm going to buy my truck from that company next time. Whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, that's it. like those people when they buy their truck, they're going to think of that company because it made them feel good. It made them feel emotional. It attached, it like it, it, it stimulated something right. that's not in your control. So that company infiltrated their being and took control for a brief second and just made these emotions just flourish basically, mm-hmm. right? So that's all it is. It's just manipulation in my opinion. It is. And they're feeding off of the like, like how – the extent of how naive people are. Yes, and people are extremely naive. And ignorant because yeah. they don't know any, like, even I don't know. So, like, we as consumers don't know much about what goes on behind the screens. Mm-hmm. And and it's crazy because I started taking a master class by Goodby and Silverstein, and they are both advertisers. They're both creatives in the advertisement world. They're known for their campaign, the Got Milk one. Mm-hmm. That one's huge. Um, and they said that the way that they advertise and the best way to advertise is by making things um, understanding. Like an, like kind of... The comprehensive? Yeah, like kind of like understandable where like people understand your message because they relate to it. Mm. So, so what they do, uh, how do I explain it? It's like they try to portray a message that people will 
be able to perceive it assimilate it quickly. yeah as if because uh, because they relate to it so as if it's it's them or i don't know how to explain it but it's like it's kind of like what apple did with um with um what was their slogan fuck is it do better or oh, oh, think, think different, different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so think different just like you said people who bought into apple they would take on that phrase as their own right. so the company's mission statement becomes the consumer's mission statement and those are the billion dollar companies Mm -hmm. those are the companies that expand so even amazon like amazon i can't tell you what their mission statement is Mm -hmm. but i have become through just consuming their like their content their um products and their services i have become a brand ambassador by default for amazon so if anybody tries to shit on amazon and tries to say justify going to walmart versus ordering something on amazon that arrives tomorrow i will (laughs) step up to the plate and say like no listen amazon is the shit because yeah. of this and this and this and i will die on this well i wouldn't but i would you know like fight you know like with whoever whatever because i'm a brand ambassador right. for amazon and they don't pay me anything quite the contrary i give them a whole lot of money every single year and that's the genius of just brilliant marketing and then i'll be like and you know you can make your alexa whisper back to you right yeah for people who don't know yeah your alexa if you because she screams Mm -hmm. if you have a high volume levels and you try to talk to her and she rants like alexa is not a short and simple person no she has an attitude she's a very conversationalist person you ask her about the weather she'll tell you the weather for the whole week for all the states in the country and stuff she's she's pretty uh extremist with that but her whisper mode is the is the best because she just whispers back to you and we got super scared last night too do you (laughs) want to tell people what happened last night no so i was i was talking to you and then i was like i i forgot what i said but i was like it's so crazy that alexa can whisper another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, she just lets out this <laughs> giant <like> statement <laughs> in like a whisper tone, but like louder than usual, you know? So it's not her whisper, like her default whisper. It was like a loud whisper that we never heard before. And she was giving us such an attitude. And she's like, I learned how to whisper or whatever because of Amazon, whatever corporation. And then we were like just taken aback and we were super scared, honestly. That's where we hid under the cover. Yeah, like I just put the cover on. I'm the, like, oh, I'm not having this today, yo. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to get the some The closet rest. was open. I was like, oh my God, Alexa's going to transform yeah. into like a human being. And and she's hiding in the closet. Now, oh I'm my sure. gosh. It was funny. Oh no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Are you scared about Alexa gathering information and then one day she'll take over the world? AI no. takes over the world and no? No, not really. Why not? I, I I mean I I have a feeling that maybe she tunes into conversation conversations, especially when her name is mentioned because mm-hmm. she automatically lights up. But um I don't I don't think that there's just way too many people out there. 
And I feel like the government already has so much information on us that what is like mm-hmm. Alexa going to get that the government hasn't already? So I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. And I just want to quickly segue into um, the next topic that we've been also wanting to talk about. Mm. The Stanford Prison Experiment, Oof. which is a movie that we recently watched. Um, I watched for the second time with her because she hadn't watched it yet, right? Mm-hmm. And what did you think about it? So the Stanford Prison Experiment, uh, just to give you a brief synopsis, yeah. is um, an experiment and it's based on a true story. And they just gathered uh, people. They hired them for a summer to do this experiment. College students. And they just separated them. So some of them would be guards and some of them would be prisoners. And then um, they didn't get to choose. It was just random selection. And then what happens is the guards end up really taking advantage of their power. And the prisoners are just completely like dehumanized 100%. and these are just college students they're all like regular kids like they're and and it got super scary like psychologically scary that people were losing their minds in there mm-hmm. and these are desperate young men mm-hmm. from who, who just want money one of them was homeless he was living out of his car trying to pay tuition for college uh super smart guy and like this guy was completely PC like he was politically correct in every facet you can imagine he wouldn't curse he would obey any command that the guards instilled on him and even he got broken down mm-hmm. which like in my opinion like watching it for the first time I was like this guy's gonna get beaten up by these guards because he's not gonna comply he's not gonna pivot he's gonna stand his ground because he's just like this guy who just does not make compromises and no like they they broke him down too and which surprised me a lot but essentially what amazed me was that at the beginning, they interview each person and they screen them for any psychological damage or any psychopathic tendencies or whatever. Just make sure that the participants are all, quote unquote, sane, mm-hmm. which I think is a faulty um, statement because I don't think anyone's truly 100 percent psychologically sane. And that documentary shows it because when you inject the power factor into any equation, all the other factors kind of pivot and adjust for it. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, they asked each prisoner, would you prefer to be a guard or or, I'm sorry, each participant, if they would prefer to be a guard (laughs) or a prisoner (laughs) and everybody chose what? Everyone chose prisoner. And what did they say about the guards? And they said, like a lot of them were saying that they didn't like cops. They didn't like authority. Mm -hmm. They couldn't see themselves being guards and And guards were lame and guards were lame and that they they whatever it was just like this this um disrespect and this rebellion like spirit kind of uh not disrespect i'm saying like they they didn't have um any respect for like authority and then mm-hmm. that was there was like this just rebellion they didn't want to be guards because mm-hmm. they just wanted to you know be prisoners because it was just more simple and they have like this bad perception of what guards are and this was set in the 70s right which was at the height of just anti-establishment yes underground culture everybody's like fuck the like fuck the (laughs) 
fuck the men upstairs. Right, because fuck people whatever. were being drafted to the war, and that mm-hmm. was like one of the biggest things to rebel against was like the young men who were being drafted by the time they turned eighteen and not having a choice. Who felt so, like that war wasn't theirs right. To so, fight. so, uh, so I'm pretty sure that's what pivoted their like um, perception of what guards were in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Understandably so. <laughs> yeah, and to me, it was just fascinating. Like everybody chose to be a prisoner for the most part Mm -hmm. and then once you start like this movie is just fascinating like if you're listening to this right now it doesn't matter what type of movie you're really into uh this is in a sense a psychological drama because it was um this experiment was conducted by a psychiatrist uh i forgot his name i think it's arthur zimbaldo whatever he has a book called the lucifer effect which i also recommend reading it Mm -hmm. teaches you just the inner wirings of just evil human nature and how humans are to a certain extent. And a lot of people will disagree with me on this, but to a certain extent, at least innately evil and innately good. Right. It's just like how the outward environment kind of uh, triggers and just feeds into one of those um, innate traits is what develops the overall encompassing outwardly expressed demeanor of that person and that goes back to what i heard in a jordan peterson lecture that i shared with you the other day and you've already heard it before but about how people's how people are like trees and if they want to grow all the way to heaven they have to have roots that that go uh Basically beneath all the way down to hell. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was super interesting because what Jordan Peterson acknowledges is that we are all evil in some some way or another. So we have good and we also have bad. And then acknowledging that is what determines whether we are true monsters or not. Mm -hmm. Because if we're unable to acknowledge that we do have bad and corrupt like within (laughs) us and darkness within us then we cannot be good yeah we're just we're just monsters and i think it's it was super interesting how when these guards when these people like these college students did become guards they abused their powers so much so excuse me so much so that that they completely dehumanized the prisoners like the intensity of their power and they did not believe that they were capable of this until it came down like it came time to the experiment yeah and a lot of them were surprised after the fact that they had such an impact and influence on these other prisoners and then at the end of the experiment the guards and the prisoners had a chance to come together as ordinary civilians outside of the experiment Mm -hmm. and just have a conversation kind of like interview each other and the guards would always like have a common recurring theme of just being like oh like i don't know it's just like this feeling that just felt good and I hate to say it, but it felt good dehumanizing yeah. and oppressing. Like it feels good. And objectifying because mm-hmm. they were they were just starting to treat these prisoners as if they were just objects. objects like they weren't even people anymore. Mm-mm. And and it's so crazy because they were they try to justify their actions too by saying that they were just going with the experiment and that they just they took um what they did was embodied their role. But what I think and what we've talked about is that it was like these true colors, like kind of making themselves visible. Mm-hmm. So it was like these things that we suppress and 
for obviously reasons we need to you know be civil we need to be we we aren't um we aren't generally hungry for uh power in in the to the extent that will dehumanize other people right it, yeah. but then being in that situation it was like an opportunity to to feed off of any negative emotion that may be stirring within them and mm-hmm. then it just like kind of went overboard and on top of that and just riding off of what you said about jordan peterson in his book 12 rules for life uh there's a chapter dedicated to how to kind of like raise your kids in a way that other people are willing to or want like other people want to play with them so Mm -hmm. other kids so basically you should raise your kid in a way that your kid is the kid that everybody wants to play with right and one of the things he talks about too is how babies toddlers up until a certain age they experience the world through pushing limits. Mm. So if you're at a restaurant and a baby just thinks, oh, like what would happen if I knocked down this plate? Right. And once they do and complete the action and they see what the what the um what the consequences were right. for what that the action, result is. they start making their own internal dialogues of like oh okay so i can do that and then all mommy does is says oh whatever you dropped your plate or mommy laughs or uh-huh. or, or daddy laughs when i do this and that so it's that like innate well not innate but that inner you know dialogue that we start developing from a very young age that is associated and has to do with you pushing limits and seeing how far you can push things and i think that this documentary brought out that inner child in all the participants especially mm-hmm. the guards because there was no parent there was no patriarchy or matriarchy was, that's gonna like overlook yeah. and establish limitations of how far you can push there was no one interfering like there was no intervention the, at all. the person who was conducting the experiment didn't in like didn't interfere at all mm-hmm. when things were getting bad he'd be like oh no like just let's just sit back and watch because there's cameras so they're being watched the entire time and I I thought it was super interesting. Even with the cameras, they were not shy about Mm-mm. the extent that they were going to. And I think that like at a certain point, they forget about the cameras too. Yeah. Because you're just so in that moment and you're mm-hmm. so engaged and locked in that reality that the idea that that's just an experiment just fades away. Mm-hmm. And you really start thinking of yourself as being a guard. Yeah. Like you think that you you have this authority over this person, but this is just an experiment yeah. that you're getting paid for. This is another college student right in front of you. And you're inside Stanford. Like this yeah. was conducted inside the campus. Like mm-hmm. they just blew out one of the hallways and just made, converted it into right. a prison. That's so crazy. And what the... um. The author responsible for the um, experiment he expressed in his book is that uh, he was just genuinely curious to see how far evil is capable of traveling when not um, restricted by any man-made, yeah, just like any man-made intervention. So, Mm -hmm. So basically, he wanted to let the guards keep pushing it, but it got to a point where they were dehumanizing the prisoners, just like you said, and they were objectifying them and making them do obscene sexual acts. Yeah. And then, like, after that point, the viewer... Like, both of us started thinking, like, holy shit, like, are they going to actually, you know, do what we think they're going to do? Yeah, it was getting extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's when he cut it off. Because he saw that it was completely capable, though. Like, they were going to go to that point Mm -hmm. where they were going to utilize force to make other 
other fellow human beings do things yeah that are just crazy. for like forcefully yeah just for their own amusement and oh entertainment my, it's so oh my gosh but no but that like that like i highly recommend you guys picking up the book too it's called the lucifer effect and watching this documentary it was um it was previously i think up until a year ago it was on netflix but then we watched it on amazon prime yep right and then we just paid like $3.99, but I highly recommend. Again, I'm endorsing Amazon because I'm a brand <laughs> ambassador. Amazon's a shit. Uh, shout out Jeff Bezos. But yeah, so uh, lead us into, I don't know. Like, okay, you talk I about. had a question. Yeah. Um, and and I think I kind of converted you on this question. Oh my God. I, you I, already, already, know know. What, I already know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Do pineapples belong on pizza? <laughs> you know what, guys? For all the people out there who are disgusted by pineapples on pizza, <laughs> I once was one of you. I once um, agreed. I once thought it was absurd, like the idea of putting something sweet, a fruit, on a, something that's something supposed to be... fresh and delicious. Yeah. Now, <laughs> on a pizza. And up until meeting you, I still retained that same belief and same outlook when it comes to pizza i would never order pineapples on a pizza and then after meeting you and you always order pineapple on pizza i tried it out and now i i don't remember the last time i ordered a pizza without pineapple in it. there you go and it's just amazing it's an amazing and that's all we have to say about it <laughs> and look this is me putting my ego aside you know like i'm not going to be prideful and say like oh you know like yeah whatever no pineapple is the shit it's good on it's pizza super good on pizza because Here's the thing. Pizza is savory. It's yeah. like it has salty components, sometimes spicy components. It has everything but a sweet component. Yeah. And if you have <laughs> if you have any type of like exquisite taste, if you have any taste at all, you will put pineapple on your pizza to balance it all out. <laughs> I, I I do think it's a it's an acquired taste for sure. It's acquired. Yeah. And another thing that I do that's that may seem weird, but also has like the same thing to do with what you said about pineapple on pizza is and you guys tell me if this is weird, because I don't I don't know if you think it's weird, but every time I fix a plate of food, right, I usually eat rice, beans, uh some type <laughs> oh of meat, gosh. ground beef or uh chicken breast. And then I always top it off with just a banana. <laughs> like I'll just get a banana and I'll just like cut it up into pieces and this then I'll is, just like outfit the side of my plate that's and then where I'll put I draw some, the line and then I'll <laughs> put some salsa where... on top of my food and this is all together like everything's touching right because there's a lot of people out there who are super like OCD about Me? food touching sometimes which, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> which you are less now right because you were a lot more when a we lot first more met. I'd be like oh like yeah. the rice can't touch the chicken like they have to be separate now like I'll and pile it like, on oh, top whatever. but I, I would because I would like to just scoop it on my fork together instead of bit. like having it already mixed in together it just yeah. <laughs> it's an ocd thing for sure i just eat by layers like i just layer stuff it's rice it's beans I mean, it's yeah, meat, and then bananas and then i put a little bit of bananas, salsa, <laughs> salsa on top minus the bananas that shit's so good though because like to your point it's it's salty uh warm food um spicy i always put hot sauce on my stuff but to me it's like bananas are not like the fresh the same kind of like freshness and bananas like bananas are super fresh what are you but it, about? but it isn't that they're mushy in comparison to pineapples pineapples are like a juicy fruit they're like mm. very i don't know they're they're so much like lighter to like chew you know mm. how what i'm saying it's sure 
bananas are like mushy. They're dense. Like they're I don't dense, think mushy. I don't. I think I don't bananas. Know what bananas you've been bananas are. Bananas I eat are pretty are pretty solid. They're pretty good. Whoa, whoa, That's what she said. Shout out to Michael Scott. But yeah, but I have very strange eating habits, and you do too. And we came together. Now we both share the strange eating habits. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Mine never thought mine were strange, but they pineapples on pizza is strange. One thing that I heard, I overheard, I think it was Joe Rogan on his podcast. He recommended sardines, pineapple. Oh my on gosh! A pizza. No. Would you try that? Not sardines. I don't. I'm not a big fan of fish. And and explain that because you're Portuguese, right? You're from Portuguese <laughs> descent. And if your mother's watching this right now or listening to this, I think My that she can knows. agree that it's a little bit strange <laughs> that a Portuguese raised child does not like seafood. My mom knows that the only type of fish I'll eat is bacalhau abraj. It's a specific dish mm. of codfish and it's the only way I that I'll codfish. it's the only way I'll eat like fish <laughs> so you won't eat anything any other else, type of seafood anything else i don't like not any other type of seafood i like shrimp i like you shrimp i i actually do like like blue crab meat is good <laughs> i've had like spreads of them it's so good you don't like salmon salmon's okay it's super flavorless it's like these are the oh type of things that need to be <laughs> that need to be done mm-hmm. the right way mm-hmm. and i'm just super picky with food <laughs> i'm really picky and if you could pick one food to eat every single day of your life but you could only eat this one food what food would it be probably be chicken chicken every single day just chicken like well you, what else like you can't pair it with anything it's like it's this one like well, one would you? thing I don't know. I asked you first. One thing. <laughs> like chicken. <laughs> chicken? Probably. I think chicken too, yeah. Because there's so many different ways to make it. To prepare it. And to prepare it. Like what, it, you know, I can make I can make it a little sweeter if I wanted to. Not that I would, but I can, you know, give it an Asian flair. I can give it a spicy flair. I can, I can do a lot with chicken. <laughs> What would you probably do chicken too? You could fry it. You could you fry can, it. Uh, bake it. You could bake it. I don't know. Yeah, pro- probably. Probably one chicken. food for the rest of like for the rest for of the rest your of life. Your days, yeah, but I don't think that's sustainable because it goes back to the whole thing of like restrictive dieting. I don't believe in restrictive dieting. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in like veganism. I don't believe in uh, paleo diets. I don't. I don't endorse it because mm. I believe in a well balanced diet, right? <laughs> And and one thing that I don't think is remotely healthy, and a lot of people will be triggered by this, especially the vegan community, but I don't really care, um, is that you shouldn't restrict nutrients, like nutrient-dense foods from your diets. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you could get proteins from chickpeas. Mm-hmm. The protein in chickpeas is not the same bioavailability as proteins from meat, mm-hmm. from red meat, from chicken, from salmon, from whatever the fuck, you know? Which it's, is why it's been traced back as far as we can remember that we have been meat eaters. We've always been meat eaters. We've been om- omnivores. Omnivores. Yeah. We've been hunter gatherers. So we've mm-hmm. hunted and we and we've gathered. And now and now and now this need to like deviate from our ancestral roots is just super frustrating to me. Like why? Like why put effort I, into finding <laughs> other I, sources of? Whatever? I get it though. I get it because of the animal cruelty aspect. Too, People yeah. don't you know don't want to contribute to like the mass production of meat. And the mass, like, 
the mass amount of animals that are slaughtered for me. But can that I tell you something? That are slaughtered for milk and for eggs, and then that's why they become but, vegans. But can I tell you something? Go ahead. And this is a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I don't think it makes a difference if you stop eating meat. It doesn't. I don't think one person makes a difference. And the reason I say this is like, oh, like one person could change the world. Like I admire your super uh, like like super optimism or whatever mm-hmm. that is or naivete or whatever it is. But one person can't save the whole meat industry. Like one person can't pivot it's, the whole industry. Like it's su- like it's, it's grandfathered not going in. To, it's not going to stop. It's grandfathered math, in. Yeah. It's in. It's deeply ingrained. It's, and the only thing that's going to change is that the meat that you don't eat is going to be put on sale for another family to buy it two for f- like like two for one basically mm-hmm. because these these factories have a quota they need to meet a daily quota they need to meet a a weekly quota a monthly quota yeah of demand of, for the, these products to also justify their staying or their rent prices or whatever it is you know like their workforce like nothing like none of that changes so the amount of animals slaughtered in those factories are probably going to stay the same <laughs> and what's going to change is what the distributors do and how they pivot and with sales and like two for ones or whatever, and they see that the dem- the demand has increased by one person, mm-hmm. and they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, we're gonna have to stop selling meat because this one person <laughs> decided to eat chickpeas and not whatever." I'm like, no, that, that like that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's, oh, it like man. it just pisses me off. I mean, I get it. I get it. I will never be a vegan though. No, me neither. Like, I. I like chicken too much. Like, not that I eat steak a lot or anything, but I like chicken. I like eggs. I like cheese. Mm-hmm. I like milk. So I would never be vegan. I'd probably never be vegetarian either. Mm. Um, and to each their own. But what I do think <laughs> was always interesting with me is whenever I would watch the uh, slaughterhouse videos and it would not change my perspective me too. I would Me watch too. it and it, I would be completely unfazed. I would watch it while eating a hamburger. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that sucks. But this hamburger, this shit's nice. The, you know, have like, you guys eaten hamburgers? It's right? pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, this one from Five I, Guys? I awesome. feel bad. Like, no, I do feel bad because there are certain, um, like, you know, slaughterhouses that abuse. Like, they'll really, you know, abuse the animals before they kill them. You know, they'll yeah, throw yeah, them yeah. around and they'll beat them and... I don't I don't support that, but it's it's bound to happen. And this is like I think the problem with the world is you can't be blind to the corruption that exists mm-hmm. within it. Yeah, and you can't expect to single handedly change everything. Mm-hmm. Because also like I think that for example, we touched on the subject just the other day in um in the kitchen about how like the idea of raising a chicken, right? Let's say that this chicken was raised in a factory farming setting Mm -hmm. where it's just on this conveyor belt. It's, you know, um, smashed in together with other chickens. It's how like it lives its worst life possible, right? Imaginable. Mm -hmm. And this chicken has a certain lifespan within that factory. And once that, you know, lifespan is over, you know, there there will come a day, judgment day, where where it will meet the end of a knife. Yeah, like it will be slaughtered. And I think that the there is virtually no difference between raising a chicken in a free-range environment, like um, pasture-raised, fed, free-range chicken, whatever companies grass are using fed. it, grass-fed, <laughs> like whatever they're using to, 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 to justify 
to make you feel of, better <laughs> to, to make you feel better about yourself like that's basically what it is about but like my point is that both chickens have the same like fundamental lifespan like the same amount of time to live so what does it matter my but it, see, that's where I where I come in and I say it does matter. Because if you knew you had five years to live, would you rather live like a king or live like a slave? But chickens don't have a consciousness. They don't think. Or as far as we know, they don't think like that. They, they don't, don't know what a king is. Like, they don't have perspectives and like knowing sure, what. Sure, they don't think, but they for sure feel. Like, I'm sure they feel in terms of like when they're when they're getting abused, when they're getting, you know, beaten, they feel pain. So they might not be able to like comprehend it, what's going on, what's happening with them, but they feel pain. And then that's what the difference is. It's like Mm. they they can feel love too. It's like animals, like dogs. It's like a dog can be traumatized by being abused and then a dog can be extremely loved and and feel like happy and fulfilled. But we don't eat dogs. But but no 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 no. I get I get exactly what you're saying, and I'm gonna like try to play the devil's advocate here, and just because like look like you're like you're going through the chicken's perspective, right? Like you're doing a lot like way more work than the average Joe does. You know, like regular people don't even think that far. But completely agree, chickens do feel pain. Okay, but my point is from a a um a farming perspective. There is virtually no difference because the chicken ends up dying anyways after right. after that lifespan. You know, like the, like the lifespan is imposed on them either way. Mm-hmm. Because you can have a free range, uh, grass fed ranch, and you could like if you leave the chicken to live until its full lifespan, which I don't even know how long that is. You won't make profit until that mm-hmm. time, and probably up until that so, time, the chicken's meat won't be as tender. It won't be as you know right. ready to go and be consumed and be whatever. You know? The intention is the same. The intention like, is to kill. The intention is the same whether you're growing, like whether you're feeding them and like uh, nurturing or not nurturing them mm-hmm. in a harmful environment versus a um, more compassionate, quote unquote, environment. Uh, the end game is still that they die, that mm-hmm. they are going to be killed. Not that they die, that they will be killed. They will be slaughtered. So the intention, killed, slaughtered. the intention is still the same. So I get what you mean. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then to me, it's just like, like, like that's always been the same. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate to the an extreme um, extent. Like mm-hmm. I don't really think that way 100. Like I, I do understand. But my point is. Just like you said, it makes you feel better about yourself. Right. With these narratives that countries contrive, countries, that companies contrive, and countries do, that, you know, politics, whatever, uh, that companies contrive to make you feel better about yourself when making that consumption, like when consuming, when buying the meat, when buying the chicken. And I think that there's this, um, there's, there's this disconnect that we have and that we've been taught from a very young age while watching cartoons and these animated animals talking and speaking like Looney Tunes and, you know, Bugs Bunny or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, all that, of Disney Channel's movies. All, all of Disney, basically, <laughs> is that we anthropomorphize animals. Mm-hmm. So we attribute human characteristics to them in a better way to relate to them, right? So we, just like you said, like 
chickens feel pain and would a chicken rather live like a slave or a king? Mm -hmm. Chickens don't know what slaves or kings are. Chickens don't know the concept of anything. Like they're just chickens. They like they're born and whatever. And their attention span is super limited. Their their memory is super limited. Like like you could punch a chicken in the face and in an hour later, they don't like they won't even remember that they met you. They don't have a conscience like they that we know of. Right. Yeah. But I don't. I believe they're conscious of their environment, yeah, so they know yeah. what's going on around them. Which every animal is. That's just their, you know, innate ability to survive. Because everyone has a survival characteristic instincts. Instincts, right? And for for animals in general, I don't think they have like a conscience where they can feel like guilt. Where they can feel, mm-hmm. I I don't think they do. That's that's where I stand, and I'm and I'm sure there's a lot of scientists who say that they don't. Yeah, like I am. No, that I. Yeah, think they, and therefore right. I am. Like, they, they don't. They don't even know way. what I is. Yeah. Just like. <laughs> yeah, see, like, like I don't know. Again, I was just taking the devil, uh, devil's advocate perspective. Um, I am not discriminate how do you say it discriminatory Discriminatory? i am not discriminatory towards any restrictive diets i just don't agree with them i think that a balanced diet is the best way to go i don't think you can replicate meat no matter how much money you're you're throwing at labs to you know create these cellular meatless meatless meats or whatever they're trying to control like it's super sketchy too like would you eat something that comes from a laboratory like that's for the next episode because we're actually running out on on time right now And we have a few things that we need to do after this episode. Yes. And so we'll leave it on that. Would you guys eat synthetic meat? Like if you were at a restaurant and they bring you a burger, the burger looks like real meat. It looks great. And the waiter before you eat it just says, by the way, this was made in a lab that we have across the street. And then you look over and you look out the window and you see just a basic medical lab where people are wearing medical attire and scientists are, you know, just pouring stuff just like in the cartoons and shit. And it's like, oh, like, Eureka, I found it. <laughs> we've, we've cracked the code. We've cracked the code. Like, <laughs> we'll make them eat this. And we know how to make fake like, chicken now. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like, just scary. Why are you even eating fake chicken? Just get like, a real aren't, chicken. Aren't just... you thinking about chicken yeah. when you're eating fake chicken? That's another thing that we'll get into, too, is like, why do vegans want to eat it, meat though. so bad? I get it <laughs> before everyone attacks me i don't get it i i do get it because the whole thing is the cruelty aspect like they 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 know that the chicken in front of them the the chickenless chicken isn't an actual suffer. chicken right because it's not a chicken but still though like <laughs> how does that work because it's in the same shape and texture as a chicken you're eating something it's, like doesn't that's it supposed give you to mimic <laughs> supposed to mimic the thing that you're trying not to harm i get vegetables and stuff yeah just eat grass or some shit you know like <laughs> just, just like do leaves. us all a favor just <laughs> eat grass and die with that being said don't actually do that no, i'm kidding guys kidding, i love all guys. you guys out there who are <laughs> listening we're all kidding regardless of your diet uh we're just trying to trigger people today uh that's honestly all it is again no disrespect towards any restrictive diets <laughs> i'm sure there are tons of benefits to each one um although a lot of them have more consequences that outweigh those benefits in my opinion but either way balanced diet is my way to go to each their own and mine and your way to go and And, yeah chickens are awesome um protect the chickens and with that being said thank you for listening to episode thank you for thank you thank you (laughs) thank you thank you for listening to let's stop here before i trigger more people more people (laughs) 
So thank you again for listening and for watching this episode. Um, it's available on, well, we're working on getting it available on everywhere you consume podcasts. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, whether it's um, Pocket Cast, whether it's Google Podcasts, right. uh, we're trying to get it up on more and more channels and more and more platforms. And yeah, stay tuned for more episodes and follow us on TikTok. We're, yes, we're, I was going to say TikTok. We're, we're, we're putting out really great clips of each episode on TikTok, super short, one minute long. The audience on TikTok is super amazing. Like, yes. We really enjoy. Thank we've you. We've been thoroughly enjoying <laughs> the people on TikTok. We've gotten a lot of great positive comments and a lot of... A lot of weird ones. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of judgmental ones. Judgmental ones. And, um, I apparently have a horrible voice. Horrible voice. I can't even stand it. Like sitting here right now listening to it, my ears are bleeding. I take off the headphones. I have to wash them each time because my ears are just exploding with blood and shit. After we're done with this podcast, Callie usually puts like... Oh, your muffs on yeah, to ignore just, me for the rest of the day. <laughs> I just go to a spa and just like ignore and just like have them massage my ears before every episode. But all right, guys. So thank you again and stay tuned for the next episode. We're See. out. <laughs> Bye.